What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hyphen Weekend Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Wilbanks. I want to thank you for joining in with me today. Uh, Hyphen Mississippi, hyphen around the nation, hyphen around the world, and everybody else that's joining in. I believe that God has given me a specific word for this podcast, and I can't wait to share it with you. So thank you for joining in with me. We're going to cue the intro and dive into the show. Thanks again for joining up. up guys first i'd like to say i hope you've had an awesome week and i want to extend a huge thank you to you all for joining in with me on the podcast today i believe that the hyphen generation is ready to unlock and experience the greatest revival that this world has ever known on this podcast we will focus on preparing equipping and empowering hyphen across our nation and world to engage with purpose their great commission your time is here and now i'm your host matt wilbanks and this is the Hyphen Weekend Podcast. Again, I say hello, welcome, and thank you all so much for joining in on the podcast with me. I'm excited, and I'm thankful that you're here with me. And so let me start out by saying I really do believe that God has spoken to me, and I believe that it is for everyone who's listening. Um, Something that I've noticed in the past while, and, and maybe this is the way that it's supposed to work, but, but I want you to know up front, and I know that I'm biased, I'm a hyphen director at my local assembly, I'm also the hyphen director for our state, and so I am biased when I say this, but hyphen, I want you to understand, and when you look into the reflection in the mirror in the morning or whenever you're doing that, I want you to know that you're looking at the person who is the backbone of their church. I want to say that again. You are the backbone of your church. You have the resources. You have the energy. You have the zeal. It's on your shoulders to carry. It's up to you what happens next. I was reading this past week, and I had read something that that I've read many times before. But for whatever reason, when I read it, it smote my heart. And I say that specifically on purpose. It smote me. I was so convicted when I read it, I knew that I needed to talk to the Hyphen Podcast listeners about this particular subject, and so I want to talk to you, and I'm going to kind of reflect back to a couple of of stories um, in the the book of Numbers we're going to talk about, a couple things. I'm just going to remind you, I'm not going to spend a lot of time reading, but I want to share with you on why exactly I was sort of just... I don't know. The best way I can say it is, man, I I just feel like the Holy Ghost just sort of rent my heart the moment I read it. And I and I had this moment and I was just like, whoa, woe is me for I am undone. Kind of like that situation. You hear the, the 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 messages come out like that and the songs like that and the prophets saying that woe is me. When I read this and I thought, oh, my goodness. And so I'm going to take you all the way back to the to the book of Numbers. And we're going to talk about something that that if you've been in church for any amount of time, and if you haven't, it's okay. You can go back and read this story as you start to journey through your own way in the Bible. But there's a story of when Moses begins to take the children of Israel into the promise across uh, 
crossing to the promised land. And he sends out 12 spies. And he says, you know what, go. I want you to take surveys of the land. I want you to come back, and I want you to tell us if we can take it, if it's, if it's good, if it's what we think it was. So 10 of those spies come back, and they say, it's too great for us. It's too much. We can't do it. But two of them say, God will give it to us. Joshua and Caleb, very famous people. Joshua is obviously going to be the leader after Moses. Caleb is famous for saying, hey, I might be a little bit older than what I was whenever I first said we can take it, but give me my mountain. So they both have famous uh, phrases or they were famous. uh, Joshua says, choose you this day whom you will serve. You get to choose this day. Every day I try to make sure that I use that verbiage and I say, Lord, I choose you today. I choose your will today. I choose your divine appointments today. I try to say that so that whenever I say it, I'm sort of speaking it into fruition and I'm not accidentally walking through. And anyway, so so 10 of these guys say no way. Two of them say yes. And the two that, that say that there's a possibility we can take this. If God wants to give it to us, let's just go. Because I'm not looking at the giants. I'm looking at the God compared to the giants. And the God is much greater than the giants. So, yeah, we can take it. But the congregation, um, that they were going to stone them. And, and then the glory of the Lord showed up. And the, and the situation changes. And so they don't go. And then there's a whole 40 years of issues that happen because we don't step into the promise. Hyphen, here is a side note that, that I can give to you. If you do not walk in the promises of God, you are going to find a life that is in the wilderness. And the wilderness produces enough to get by, but it produces a whole lot of problems too. Frustration. I always heard it's hard to live for God easy, and it's easy to live for God hard. That's the difference, living in the wilderness and living in the promise. You can survive in the wilderness and see the things of God in the wilderness, like manna will come, and and, and you will be provided a, a dove and things of that nature. But the promise, the thing that really is great, the, the, the thing that God really had for us, we won't see because because we're stuck in, a, in the wilderness area and we're stuck in the complaint department as we talked about a little bit before. And so it causes our perception to change. Moses goes back out of his way, has a struggle within himself in so much that he has to talk God into letting Aaron go back with him to be his mouthpiece to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. They cross the Red Sea. God does all these great and wonderful works. And then there's a conversation in uh, Numbers chapter number 16. You got to understand there's frustration here. Now because I'm not seeing the promise, now because I'm not seeing all the things that, that were preached about and the revivals that were heard about and all this stuff, now I'm looking at the man of God and I'm saying, well, why not? I'm not seeing this because you didn't take us to where you said you were going to take us. And this is what the scripture says. There's a situation that happens, and they kind of come up against uh, Moses, and Moses calls for them. And, and then I'm going to read this chapter, verse number, or chapter number 16, verse number 13. And it says, Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of the land that floweth with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, except thou make thyself altogether a prince over us? Like, you did this 
on purpose. Like we're out here in the wilderness and we're just doing what you say on purpose. That's what they're saying. When you and I both know the only reason that you're in this wilderness is because you would not take the word of two men who went out to spy the land. You chose the bad report rather than the good. And that stuck you in the wilderness. And now instead of taking responsibility for those decisions, you're looking at the man of God rather than this, than yourself. That's what these people are doing. And then they go on to say in verse number 14, Moreover, thou hast not brought us into the land that floweth with milk and honey, or given us inheritance of fields of and vineyards. Wilt thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. Moses is calling them to come up. Now, shortly hereafter, something really crazy is going to happen. Moses is going to go and he's going to tell them, look, you guys that are coming against me, Korah, and, and, and all you guys... Um, and Dathan and Abiram and all these guys, if you die a random natural death um, or, or a natural death, then, then, then God has nothing to do with this. But if you die in a weird way, if you die in a crazy way, then God is, is against you. He's with me. And uh, if you don't want to be a part of this, you better get away from their camp. And so they do. And you know the story. The ground opens up. It swallows them up. It closes back. Boom, they're gone. And everybody understands that God is with Moses again. But then it dawns on me just a few little, a few, I'm not exactly sure how many years later, but if you continue to read that story, you're going to see in that story that multiple occasions are going to happen when the Bible says that the people came up against Moses and Aaron. The people came up against Moses and God. The manna is, you know, we don't want manna, we want meat. And we got meat and we want this. And, and there's always a complication of frustration because you're, they're, they're not getting, and they're always reflecting back to Egypt. We had this in Egypt. We was getting beat like we stole something in Egypt, but we now that we're in the wilderness, we want to look back like it was a good time. And sometimes when we're in the middle of frustration, we look for somebody to take our frustration out on. And the problem is, is that we are trained in this culture and in this society not to look at ourselves to blame. We're, we we are looking at somebody else. It's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. So who am I going to look to? So in this particular place and in this particular way in the spirit, when there is an issue and you're going through a problem, the adversary is going to try his best to disconnect you from your leadership. So when you start to look for somebody to blame or I start to look for somebody to blame, I'm automatically going to look to my leadership to my pastor, to my hyphen pastor, to my youth pastor, to whoever is a voice in my life, I am going to be pushed into blaming them. It's their fault. They didn't lead me where they said they were going to lead me. They didn't take me where they were going to take me, uh, said they would take me, and it's their fault. When the truth is, I have not been praying the way that I'm supposed to pray. The truth is I have not given the way that I'm supposed to give. The truth is I have not fasted the way that I'm supposed to fast. The truth is I'm not doing my part, and because I'm not doing my part, I'm not seeing the revival that I expect to see, and instead of facing myself 
facing my my issue, getting back into discipline, rededicating myself, rather than doing all that, I start to talk to people and get people on my side and start to gather up in a group. And then I look to the man of God and then I say, you're just trying to be holier than thou. You're just big dog. You're just that and this or whatever. And so it's your fault because you have not led us here. And so we blame the man of God. That's what's happened in this particular scripture. And that's not what gets me. What gets me is this, is is several years later, it should have took him just a couple days to get to the promised land. In my brain, you have 12 guys that go out. They come back. In my brain, they're, they're three. They're, they're, they're just a few days away. I think it's three. I, have to, I would have to look, but it's three or four, something like that. Not very far. Let's just say for the sake of time, it was a week's journey. That's too much. That's too far. They were, they were a lot closer than that. But let's just say for the time being, because I didn't look it up, they were just a week's journey away. Twelve guys come back in. They say, hey, we got this. Get yourselves together. Gather all your stuff. God's going with us. We're going to take it, and everybody's going to get to see the promise, and it's going to be good. In my mind, they're not sitting there for another 40 years. In my brain, they're all together in unity. As soon as they get back, they're packing their bags and they're going to the promised land. But here's the sad part about the situation. is neither Aaron nor Moses is going to get to see the promise. For however long Moses listened to the frustration of these people. God wanted us to take these people out. Moses was like, God, don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, just take me out of here. Don't, don't take them out. The people of Egypt were going to say, you weren't able to take them through the wilderness. God wanted to, to burn it all down, and Moses stood in the gap like a good pastor does. And he would not leave them. He would not let them go. He loved them. And so... There's a time when God tells, tells Moses, look, we're going to get to this rock, and the people, the people here are going to be looking for water, and they're going to be complaining, and I want you to speak to this rock. And the Bible says that Moses, instead of speaking to this rock, he takes this stick, or this rod rather, and he smites the rock twice. Water comes out of the rock like the Lord said it would, but the Lord told Moses, because you have disobeyed me, and you struck this thing out of frustration, Instead of speaking to it like I told you to, you will not enter into the promised land. And what dawned on me and what smote my spirit and my heart is ultimately it is up to me and you if we make it to the promise. It's up to us. It's up to my decision. It's up to yours. What you do, I cannot allow it to detour me. I cannot allow it to cause me to make a decision that's going to cost me and vice versa. You cannot allow something that I do to cause you to catch a bad attitude or a bad spirit because that will cost you as well. But when I read this for the first time, it broke my heart because what I realized was that for the first time that that I know the pastor is responsible for the congregation. I know that Moses is responsible for the children of Israel, but for the first time I realized the congregation was responsible for Moses. Had the congregation and the 12 spies all agreed many years before this time happened and Moses cost himself, if they had all agreed and said, you know what, we believe, we are ready, let's go, Moses himself would have gotten to see the promise. Moses himself would have gotten to see the revival that he knew was there. Moses himself would have got to plant his foot in the promise 
that he knew was going to be there when he headed back all the way from the backside of that mountain when he saw the burning bush, headed back to Egypt to get the children of Israel to take them. He knew there was a promise that would be there. And your pastor and my pastor, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every moment we get to hear him preach or them preach or whatever, they're preaching about revival. They're preaching about where their church is going. They're preaching about all these things that they know when they started this journey, God is going to do it. But who is responsible for them getting to see the promise? And when I read these scriptures, it ultimately dawned on me and struck a chord in my heart so much so that I thought, woe is me. Woe is me that I put my pastor in a situation that he does not get to cross into the promised land. Woe is me that I put my pastor in a situation that he does not get to see the revival that, that he has preached about, that, that people have come through and spoken about. Prophets have said it's going to happen, and the fivefold ministry has edified the church and, and said that this church is prepared for this because this is going to happen. And, and woe is me if I don't do my part that they get to see what they started out after. So hyphen, this is this is as heavy as I can say it for you, and as serious of a challenge as I've ever given to you in a in a podcast setting. And that is to realize that your pastor is responsible for you. He's responsible for your soul. He's going to take an account of you and me, and he's going to go to the Lord, and he's going to say they were great, they were easy to deal with, things worked out great, or he's going to say they were struggle, it was tough, and I had to work on them, whatever the case is. But understand this much. If your pastor does not get to see the revival that he preached about, if your pastor does not get to see the church grow to the capacity in which the, the, the pastor and the preachers and the evangelists and all these men of God that came through to, to, to preach and to speak and to edify talked about, it's not going to be because of the pastor. It's going to be because of the congregation. It's going to be because of the leadership. You can disagree with me, and that's okay. But the bottom line is, is it takes the body to go. We have to believe. We have to be the backbone. We have to believe the good report that is being preached to us. We have to say that word that you said that's going to happen, I take that. I grab a hold of that, and I'm going forward with that. And I'm not just going to hear the preached word of God. I'm going to take the preached word of God, and I'm going to do something with it. What am I going to do? I don't know what the answer to that question is. Maybe you'll preach. Maybe you'll sing. Maybe you'll Bible study. Maybe you'll podcast. Maybe you'll do something. You'll, you'll invite somebody or you'll do whatever the case or situation is. My, my challenge is simply this. Believe the good report and do something. Do something. Don't allow the adversary to take the spirit of slumber and put it on us and, and let us be lazy and let us be uh, distracted by social media and the social culture that we live in, that we don't see the revival that is promised to us, the church, and the latter rain. 
So what, what is the responsibility of the congregation? What is the responsibility of the church? Well, that's simple. That's to make sure that we get to see the promise. That's to make sure that the man of God has our help to get to where he's trying to take the church. He cannot do it by himself. So hyphen, the direct meaning of this word hyphen is to connect the two worlds together. The the definition of who you are is to make sure these two worlds meet. The revival that is being preached about and the harvest that is being preached to, you are to pull those two things together. You're smart. You are geniuses. You're full of the Holy Ghost. You got the Spirit of God. You got the favor of God. You have the moment. You were created for such a time as this. So let me challenge you, hyphen, and anybody else that's willing whether you've been sitting on the pew for five days or five years or 50 years. It's time to buy into the good report. It's time to step into the revival. It's time to step into the flow. Because there are greater things in front of us that God is trying to give to us. And he is edging us. Go and do something. Go and be something. You can do it. Because if you go, I'm going with you. If you go, I'm going to make it happen. And if God said it can happen, then it's going to happen. For he is God and he cannot lie. I'm thankful that I'm a part of the church. Because the church is the safety. The church is of peace. And the church is full of making possible or the impossible possible. I'm thankful for the church and I'm thankful for you. Go and do something. I love you, and I thank you so much for joining with me this week. I love you. I pray that you're challenged. Pray you have a great week, and I'll see you next time. God bless.